Satori. Woke up and got drunk. Found my way to the streets and tripped along the tracks. Past the cafe I read poetry at when I was you. And nothing was empty. And a car in the street. And horns. And disruption. Two dollars in my pocket. Enough for black coffee in the paper. It's full of news I can get for free with my eyes open and my ears to the ground. And somewhere, on a television, the State of the Union is being read. And I did not listen. I did not listen. Now part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go, coming down three, two... For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us, as we do every week. Our producer, Joe, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, Football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team. You can find them on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All Everything Entertainment or go to alleverythingentertainment.com for their full schedule and a full list of their shows. If you like us, you will 100% like them. Thank you. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. 
That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with another Dave versus AJ debate. And today, because in the past we did who was the better Intercontinental Champion, I think we did HBK versus Jericho, if I remember correctly. Okay. And it's definitely not the Mountie ever. I decided we should do one about the U.S. title, the other important belt. So I came up with two champions here that are going to be interesting. We got Lex Luger, a five-time U.S. champion. All right. I, I consider that his best run versus Ravishing Rick Rude, wow. a, a one-time champion who held it for a little over a year but never lost the belt technically, lost it due to injury. So very successful raids, very successful. Now, AJ, I know out of the two of these guys, you're more of a Luger fan. <laughs> but I'll give you the gentleman's choice this week. Pick whoever you want. Well, I'm going to take Rude. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right, boss. Whatever. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't get me wrong. When it comes to certain people, I am probably a bigger Luger fan than you are. But, uh, you, pick the, you pick the guy that there's no way I'm a bigger fan of Luger than. <laughs> you know, I know you could argue either side, and I, I was, was going to give you Luger, but then I was like, it really was just going to be mean because really, you're such a, you're such a rude fan that it's almost. I also, similar to you, said <laughs> Luger's best run. I believe that legitimately deep in my heart that Rick Rude's best run is when he's the U.S. champ in the early 90s. All right. I'm going to agree with both those statements. I think that's why this is a great debate. These are wow. these guys' best run. All right. And, yeah. And Luger, and, and oh my God, this, this is going to be a tough one only because it's the best run for both of them. It is. Now, all right. Clearly, Rude's the better worker. I'm not even going to fucking argue that. That's not going to happen. Here, all right? This so, would have been a short debate if that was the argument. Right. And now, Luger was the guy who got the world title out of two, but we're not going to argue that either because that's not what it's about. This is about the U.S. title reigns, all right? And also, it pisses me off that Rude didn't get the world title, too. So, uh, yeah, but hold on. He had the international His career was cut short yes. because of injury. He was, yeah. We, we don't know that Rude would not have been a world's champion. We don't know. That's why it makes me mad. But very similar to Magnum TA in the fan. I know it's a different kind of accident, but very similar to Magnum TA in the sense that there's not a person on the planet who I don't think felt that either one of those two guys was heading for a world championship. I'm going to start with Luger here. This is the homework. He's a five-time U.S. champion. Look at the people he's defeated for this belt. Dusty Rhodes, Nikita Koloff, Barry Windham, Stan Hansen and Michael Hayes. I mean, that's a freaking list right there. I think this was his best in-ring work at the time of his career. The weakest link on that list is Michael Hayes. Right, who was predominantly a tag wrestler, who had yeah. his one U.S. title run here, yes. 
But it's amazing that that's the weakest link on that list of people that he beat. 100%. Yeah, I would say, like I said, this is his best in-ring work, too. If you look at, like, Root. matches he had Ricky Steamboat back then, very good. Root, Root beat a pretty good guy for his belt, too. He beat the man they call Sting. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that clash. That take with me, but that was the one where they basically set up Sting. Rude clipped his so. leg. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Luger clipped his leg. Yeah, it was Luger. That right. Clipped. Then he had to come Luger back. Luger and... came out as the belly dancer. Yes. Luger clips the leg, injures the leg, and then Sting has to wrestle on one leg against Rude. As he's coming back off the ambulance, trying to make it to the arena. Remember yes. that? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, you know, to me, I just really, I don't know. When I look at that list of people Luger's beat, but. For me, it's not about who they beat. Yeah. It's who Root wrestled after mm-hmm. he actually became the U.S. champion. Yeah. That's the, those are the fews that are impressive. And if you look at the length of how long, did you look up how long his title reign was? It was 378 days. So over a year. For his title reign, whereas how long was Luger's combined title reigns? <laughs> it was five something. It was five something. He's actually one of the longest all together, all time long and reigns. But that's what I'm saying is yeah. that it's a 200 day difference if you combine five reigns. Right, 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 right. Now, that's fair. I mean, he, he's one of the longest U.S. champs when you combine everything. Whereas I believe Rude is one of the longest U.S. champs single run. Yeah, no, 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 may even be. I'd have to look that up, but he was definitely, he was up there. It's and hard to beat the Sheik who had a version of the U.S. Championship in Detroit, but... Yeah, he wasn't giving that up. <laughs> I mean, there's no question the in-ring work and the match quality, even though I say this was Luger's best time, belongs to Rick Rude. Rude was working extensive matches, guys, like Sting and Ricky Steamboat, though. You know, no, you know, how do you not have bad, you don't have bad matches with those guys anyway. Well, the difference is to me, and this is just me, is that Rude elevated the belt, whereas when Luger started off and won the most of his U.S. titles, the belt was put on him to try to elevate a young wrestler. So it wasn't him making the belt. It was the belt making him. Whereas when, to me, when Rude won the title, the U.S. championship had almost become a forgotten thing. And he really elevated the belt back up. Now, you're more of a body guy than I am. You're more into like the physiques of wrestlers. Who, in your opinion... Wow. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I know where you're going with this. Who had the better physique, in your opinion? They're two different types of physiques. Two completely different. Right. One is basically pure size. Don't get me wrong. When it comes to pure size compared to conditioning, it's hard to beat Luger at his prime. Granted, some of these time periods when he was the U.S. champ, he was so on so much gas he could barely walk to the ring. <laughs> or as Jesse Ventura would say, he was resting a lot. That was during his world title reign a little bit more, though. He got really ridiculously bulky yeah. then. But Rick Rude, one of the most chiseled wrestlers of all time. You talk about a guy who had just... I want to say he weighed in probably at like 230 most of his career to 225. Right. For a guy who's six foot four, six foot three, somewhere in that ballpark. And he kept himself so lean and muscular. I think, to be honest with you, one of the things that may have caused him to get injured was how lean he was. Mm. He didn't have the protection of the extra bulky muscle. If you go early in career, I would go rude with better physique. Especially functional physique, mm-hmm. 
but it's hard to beat Luger when it comes just to sheer size and density. I don't remember ever a wrestler in terms of physiques looking like Rick Rude in the history of wrestling. I don't remember a guy with that kind of muscle and that kind of being that lean. The closest thing that I could think of is, and we've talked about this with Petey Williams in the past, mm-hmm. but Petey Williams is like five foot seven, five foot eight. Mm-hmm. Freaking Rick Rude is, like we said, six three, six four. Yeah, and freaking just chiseled to the freaking gills. Sidebar: Do you think the lean, especially he was even more leaner in his Intercontinental WWE reign? Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think that hurt Rude in the eyes of Vince McMahon in the era of guys like Hogan? Did Vince, although maybe like the physique, thought he should have been more bulkier? Vince McMahon, I think that if I think if Rick Rude comes in and he's 240 pounds, mm-hmm. that he gets a shot at the world title. I think that, unfortunately, he came in at about 220, 215, mm-hmm. and in Vince McMahon's mm-hmm. eyes, it crossed him. Yeah, I could see that. You know, But, that being said, tell me Rude wouldn't have the perfect build for today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would be, you know, with the matches and the look, I think Rude would be unstoppable, like straight to the top, like... Tell me, we talk about character. Was there a better pure heel mm-hmm. than Rick Rude? If he was alive today, looked like he looked, talked like he talked, you telling me that guy couldn't be on top of any promotion right now? By the way, another guy who didn't make 40. Yeah, it's a tough time. That was a sad time. What, what happened with him? Was that suicide? Or was that a... Uh... Oh, we remember he fell asleep holding his child. Oh. And never woke up. Yeah. Oh, his heart gave out. And yet Luger's still alive. But when's the last time Luger's walked? Yeah, no, Luger's definitely got some hard times. Yeah, and that was all because he had something go wrong with the decompression on an airplane. Mm. Something in his spine, he ended up with spinal paralysis because decompression with an injury on an airplane caused his spine to actually give out. Well, now that we gave you all a lot of positive stories here on the Working Fans Podcast. (laughs) But wait a minute, we never actually figured out who we had the better run here. Well, I will say Uh, this. Before we get a better run, too, I will say, I will give points to this, too. Besides being in-ring work, is in-ring work being better? I'm going to give the nod to Rude as far as a promo goes, too. I don't think when you talk about talking, you're going to get a better promo than Rick Rude. I think there's like two people that Luger had better promos than. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> Unless you're trying to figure out, and Dave can see what I'm doing here, hmm. the length of a thumb to a fingertip. <laughs> Unless you're trying to figure that out, there's nothing you're ever going to learn from <laughs> Boy, he could sell, though, huh? Ah! Ah! <laughs> and nobody, I don't think anybody ever took the ring post better. <laughs> I think we both agree, too, like... When Luger became, it was after his accident, after he had that motorcycle accident, he really slowed down in his career, I think, in the ring. He did, and he became even more cautious, which was saying something, because he was fairly cautious to begin with. Man, I don't know. As far as more successful U.S. champion, you really, what do you like? Do you like more reigns? Do you like that stronger run reign? Yeah, I do like a stronger one reign, but Luger's overall body of work is really good, too. I have a hard time picking a winner on this one. I'm pretty dead even about these guys. Like I said, the reason why I go with Rude is because Rude made the belt, not the other way around. It's fair enough. You know yeah, what? So I'd be interested to see what the fans Luger, have to say on this one. Luger's U.S. runs were all early in his career. Mm-hmm. I think we should let the fans decide on this one, see if anyone gives us any feedback. Oh, please. I will say this. Fans being fans and voting with their heart, I feel like Rude's probably going to win this. I think he's the more likable. I, 
I think the majority. Well, that's funny that the guy who was the heel most of his career is the more likable of the two. Do you disagree? Uh, I, <laughs> Do you disagree? I, I, I think he's more likable because we have a tendency of putting more stock into work rate than yes. we do into... Yes. So I think that's why he's more likable to us. I think yeah, be 100%. That's what's going to happen not, here. We're not, we're not little kids that just went for the posing and the strutting and the... Yeah, no, 100%. But when I really try to look at the success of both guys as a U.S. champion... Pretty hard. They're, they're really. This is like Luger's cream of the crop run, and Luger really was the best not, of his career. Yeah, this Luger really was outstanding. Anybody who's a Luger fan this knows that the first five years of his career yeah. was the best five years of his career. Yeah. No, other than that one match with Hogan where he went over and won the title. Yeah. Other than that. Yeah. The first five years of his career is by far the best years of his career. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're gonna call this one. A technical draw, since I can't make a decision today. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What did the other people say? We didn't get votes on this one. We got no votes on this? No, I didn't vote on it. This is an extra bonus just between me and you. <laughs> wow. I, I thought you were saying people just didn't give a shit, so they didn't vote. No. <laughs> we're going to put it out late. We'll put it out on a Patreon or something. People can vote oh, on please. it. Please. We'll figure it, it out. It's on Patreon, by the way. When you support us on Patreon, you actually help us to get this um, stuff out there. We're getting new soundboards. We're advertising. We're trying to do everything we can to put out the best broadcast possible for you guys. Not only do you get all this free sexiness in which we bring to the podcast, mm. but now you're getting quality. So uh, please, please, please sign up on Patreon. Be a part of this team. And we're going to do everything we can to connect you to this broadcast. Lots of sexy going on here at the Working Fans Podcast. All right. Lots of sexy. You're welcome. Oh, yes. <laughs> and not just producer Joe. <laughs> no. Reflections from the road. I cannot sleep tonight. Stars scream in my eyes. The train horn tosses and turns in my bed. Visible children, stomachs as empty as their dreams, whimpering in the rush of night. Homeless clutching cardboard resumes and coffee cups, void of hope. Fragile voices asking my nightmares for change. Lord. Fans, welcome back for another week of the 531 where we take our top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, debate it down to a number one of that day. Today's topic is the top five enforcers or bodyguards in wrestling. Dave, how you doing today? Mm. I'm ready to go, Jojo. As always, we are going to be kicking this and I am nice now the first list we got this week is from jason gross from rock and randy's rock and wrestling group he has 911 mr hughes sid diesel and ray trailer slash big bubba rogers with an honorable mention of kevin costner with a question mark who was the professor 911 gotcha Making sure. Not a terrible list. Uh, I bet Diesel and Ray Trailer will pop up on multiple lists. Yeah, actually, uh, Diesel, Ray Trailer, and Sid are all going to be on a lot of lists. I'm looking right now. Nice. Now, who's the first list you got for us this week? 
All right. I'll go from our boy Scott from Valentown. He's got Big Bubba Rogers, ATA, China, 911. He's probably the only guy who's going to have this. He did it probably just to pop us. So I'll give him props. Ralph it. Scott was a big Chris Jericho fan back in WCW, so it does not surprise me that Ralphus has popped up on the list. Now, the next list I have is from Shar Johnson of Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group, and he only has a three-man list. He's got Big Bubba Rogers, Diesel, and Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Son of a bitch, that's a fucking deep cut. SummerSlam 94, baby. I love it. Oh, he was an enforcer? Yeah, he was an enforcer for um, the Razor Shawn Michaels match. I want to say Razor Ramon brought him out to counteract Diesel. Okay, makes sense. So Walter Payton was involved in that. Sweetness! Walter Payton. Now, what's the next list you got for us? Let's go with our boy AJ. He's got Mr. Hughes, Bubba Rogers. Diesel, Sid, and Virgil. Virgil. Hey, before you laugh at that, I'm going to give you a heads up. Virgil's making a few of these lists. Wow. Yeah. I I uh, just heard Virgil talking about Andre the Giant's dick on Talking Shop. So. Yeah. So you got to remember, there was a time when Virgil for many years was just a straight man as the bodyguard for the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. So. The Virgil we know now is much different. I know. I'm thinking about the fucking goofball that loves the right, meat, right, meat right. sauce and Olive oh, Garden. Yeah, yeah, but these people who grew up in the golden era remember Virgil, so he's, he's going to pop up here. Wow, that's surprising. Go ahead, you got <laughs> Now, the next list I have is from Kevin Dignam from Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group, and he only mm. has four people on his list. He has Big Bubba Rogers, Rick Rude, mm. Mr. Hughes, and Sid. Okay. Wow. <laughs> we got a lot of votes here coming in. I mean, I only got made them, but for Sid, Bubba, Hughes, Diesel, these are going to be some of the guys with Big Bird and I have a on there. Let's see. I got uh, Zach St. John next. He's got Sid, Diesel, Rick Rude, China, and ba 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 ba. Virgil! That's right, <laughs> baby. Break out the pizza. Ah! Now, since you brought us. Zach St. John's list. What is what did Jake bring us this week? Jake didn't bring us yet. I was not gonna call him out. Way to go, Joe. <laughs> ah, Jesus! I figured we get one St. John. Why not get the other? Hey, Jake actually yeah. sent us some poetry that we're gonna be playing on this week's episode. Not to uh, he did, and he he got he had a little camping trip and stuff going on this weekend, so we won't bust Jake's ball. But yeah, I, you know what? Who would have made his list though? I bet you Sid would have made his list. So I know Dick. So. <laughs> Now, the next list I have is from Jesse from New Hampshire. And I want to take a minute to congratulate Jesse and his wife, Unique, on having their second baby, Axel, this weekend. Baby's home and doing good and settling in. And, Jesse, you better be pumping us into his ears. We'll stop swearing for a couple episodes, but I'll be damned if that child does not grow up to know where the good pussy's at. But his list includes Arnie. <laughs> His list includes Arn Anderson, Diesel, Big Bubba Rogers, Rick Rude, and Deacon Batista. Batista's a good one. Batista's a good one. So Bubba Rogers, Diesel, Iron Anderson, Rick Rude. Yep. And Batista. Okay. All right. I got them all. All right. I'm keeping up on a lot of these guys this week. So <laughs> Solid I don't think list. I gave you Randy. 
No, you haven't given us Randy. We can't forget Randy, loyal listener to the show, day one. Yeah. Randy's got uh, China, Sid, Diesel, Tessa, the ATA, and surprisingly, uh, I too much, uh, Ming. Wow, Ming is somebody I don't think is going to pop up on a lot of lists, but should be on how like every list, I would think. Yeah, in real life, it's a shooting everybody's list. Now, I'm going <laughs> to give you my list, who surprisingly doesn't include Ming. Actually, it includes Ming now. I had Wardlow on the list because as far as like a modern day enforcer, I thought he was interesting. Mm-hmm. Wardlow's coming off, Ming's going in. I originally had Big Cass on my list because I thought from the Enzo and Big Cass combo that he was a good enforcer and played his part. I'm taking him off. I'm putting in China. And then you got Diesel, Arn Anderson, and Big Bubba Rogers. Big Bubba Rogers and Diesel. Wow. All right. Let me wrap up with two more lists here. We got Mike Flynn sending us China, Virgil, Diesel, 911, and Mr. Hughes. Wow. Now, I don't yeah, have any more lists. Like list. <laughs> I don't have any lists. How many more do you have left? I just got myself. So, all right. So, uh, throw a little thing. Before I go with my list, I thought I'd throw a few ones out there we didn't hear. These guys didn't make my list. Max Muffle, who was this guy who basically was the enforcer for Diamond Dallas Page in the early days of WCW. This was back when he was first coming out with Kimberly Page, who was a heel. I don't even think there was a Monday Nitro yet. So we're going back. Eh, it might have been right, right before Nitro came out. It was like 95, beginning of 95. So okay. 94, 95. But yeah, Max Muscle, the thing, and Brodus Clay, who I believe did some bodyguard work for Alberto DeRio, maybe a little bit in TNA as Tyrus, but also he was the shoot bodyguard for uh, Snoop Dogg. So he's just someone I always think of a bodyguard. And now my actual list. Hold I on a second. Now that you bring up Tyrus, he was Matt Hardy's bodyguard in TNA, and he had that time where he held the baby, and it was hilarious. I didn't see the baby, but I knew he was a bodyguard for somebody. Matt Hardy, thank you very much. So This guy I put as my number one. I had the advantage of seeing a lot of lists, and I was like, man, I want to go for something different. So I did some research, and I thought, I can't believe this guy didn't make anybody's list. Going back to the golden era, the guy who was the bodyguard for Rowdy Piper, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. For many years, he had the cast, and he was like, that was, they were sick of see. Now, I think Piper always was such a big character from the Shadow Bob, but Bob was his bodyguard in the storyline. So. That's not a terrible one, one to pick. Up. Not one that a lot of people yeah. are going to pick, but up there, good. Yeah. So anyway, rest of my list, kind of similar to everybody else's. I got Sid, I got Bubba Rogers, I got Mr. Hughes, and I got China. Nice. So obviously, Diesel and Bubba Rogers are going to be moving on. I think they've been on just about yep. everybody's list. Now, oh, yeah, I got actually, I kept cracking. I kept okay. Uh, That's right, buddy. And there's the fresh. So you're right. Just by the eye test, you have Bubba and Diesel. That looks like seven votes. Now, rounded up, looks like Mr. Hughes got five. Okay. Sid and China, they each got six, from what I can see. Oh, wow. See, I was going to put it down to a debate between Virgil and Sid because you made such a good argument for Virgil in the beginning. But let's do it between Sid and China. Fuck that meat sauce, (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) I think China deserves to be mentioned because as much as Randy has an infatuation with Tessa Blanchard, 
I don't think Tessa, not that she wouldn't have been able to do it without China, but China was probably that earliest example of a strong female personality that didn't necessarily just have to um, just have to wrestle with women. She could wrestle with the men and be effective. Well, I'll tell you what, too. When you're defining the role of bodyguard, China brought something different to the table. There was never anybody like China. So just doing this, not even really thinking ahead here, but doing this tournament style, we're doing the debate between China and Sid. I'm going to go with China over this one. Sid obviously had more of a run as a wrestler. You know, he would main event Indias and have a world title in WCW and WWE. But China, in the terms of the bodyguard role, defined that role as completely something different than anybody else yeah and i mean i would say she had arguably had more dedication to the sport sid was a natural talent but Mm. i mean he has been his career has been marked and you know they bring up a lot of the times how he will no show or he will just leave hold hold on about that because you're right but i want to bring up something discussion so we got sid let's look at the resume all right, so I, I agree with you, but let's look at the resume. All right, China was, I believe, Intercontinental Champion. That was cool. Women's Champion, Hall of Famer. Sid never made the Hall of Famer. Let's look at the resume. Sid is a former multi-time WWE World Champion. He is a multiple-time, I don't remember everybody beat for WCW World Champion, and a two-time WrestleMania made it better. <laughs> but think about yeah, that. You're that- right. He <laughs> fucked up a lot of his career. But then you got China. You know, she had her theater for life. Probably it was, you know, not the greatest either in the public eye. Night in China. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But anyway, you know, I mean, it was, she definitely had her down point with drugs and stuff like that. But I mean, China was such a presence, such a different thing. She's looked upon so fondly. Whereas, not so much. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, his whole reputation has been about blowing off the business or just doing things when it's right for him. I mean, it's arguable whether that's right or wrong because in a business that, I mean, I think we said it on the live show, doesn't give a fuck about its performers. Sometimes the performers have to make their own call. And he's been known as being difficult, but I mean, he's also gotten multiple opportunities. He yeah. is a performer, he's massive, and he has shown out big. But now let's talk about our top three here. We got Diesel, we got Bubba Rogers, we got China. Mm. This is a solid top three list of enforcer slash bodyguard types. How do we decide yeah. who's the first I'm, one to go? I'm going to make a surprise vote for an elimination here. All right? I'm going to vote, and hear me out, we get rid of Diesel. I'll tell you why. Because even though Diesel slash Kevin Nash is a bigger, iconic impact on the sport than any of the other two. No offense, China, but NWO, fucking, uh, he's another guy. WWE, WCW World Champion, main eventer. We can go on. However, when we're defining the bodyguard role, as much as, yeah, with Sean's bodyguard, and that's how he broke into WWE and he got his part, I think the other two, I think of more as bodyguards. China, again, because you define that role with something different, a powerful woman, and Bubba Rogers. Because, man, we're going back old school. Bubba Rogers, watching Jim Cornette for many years, like that's just what I remember as the first bodyguard. Yeah, 100%. Like, I Diesel did good in his role with Sean, I would say. But yeah. Bubba Rogers, like you said. Yeah, yeah, Bubba Rogers, like you said, much more important. You know, had the run with Cornette. Mm-hmm. China, obviously, she was the eighth wonder of the world. 
she really did some, you know, she was really out there and I, I would say she was a good bodyguard. So I am fine with cutting diesel. Hold on. I want to say this. This kind of reminds me of like this thing. I saw like a countdown, like the greatest comedians of all time. And like Eddie Murphy was like near the top of the list. But because he had such success in movies, they couldn't put him like, like he was the top 10, but he didn't make the top five because they said he had to quit his stand up to do movies. And the joke was, I feel so bad for him making those million dollar movies. That's kind of similar with Diesel here. He outgrew the bodyguard role. It's not enough. It's just in this particular debate, I think the other two simplify, symbolize his role more. Whereas like, Reality, Diesel became the bigger character and the bigger persona out of everybody probably on this list just looking around. But anyway, just want to point that out. So this is not a knock on Diesel. I just think the other two definitely more of the bodyguard. Yes. So now we're down between Bubba Rogers and China. Yeah. I mean, I guess... You're either going for did you like the more modern enforcer in China or did you like the classic enforcer role of Bubba Rogers? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's an interesting debate. Um, ah, man. I almost uh, want to give it to China, China because how unlikely is it that a lady would be an enforcer for a group of dudes who include a couple massive motherfuckers? Like, you got Billy Gunn in there. Right, right. He almost could have been the enforcer yeah, for DX. Um, yeah, I, I originally when we were doing this, and I had already kept uh, kind of tabs on these votes. I was already thinking China, just because you know, really, it was something so different. I want to be fair. I'm concerned Bubba here because he yeah, haven't done again. You know what? That's more of the performer. I was gonna say, boy, Bubba really bombed. He was something else. But yeah, I guess when you just look at this particular role, I really think you're right. I think China is the one that sticks out. She was a uh, trailblazer. And uh, honestly, she was kind of a bodyguard also in a very big era of wrestling. So, yeah, I'm going with China. All right, guys, you know what the music means. China has become our number one enforcer slash bodyguard. Guys, if you don't like it... I can hear AJ cursing us out right now, by the way, but go ahead. This is like the time that you guys... I forget who you fucking bounced out, and I'm sitting at home going like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, how does Liger not make it? But guys... We are the Working Fans Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Working Fans Podcast, at Fans Working, Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. We got these shirts for sale. Why don't you buy them? We're on the Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. Find us and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. 
We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Yo, this is number one, Sean Silver. I'm talking about the meat man. I'm talking about that big boy. And of course, you know I'm talking about the raw dog. And you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. This is the Working Fans Podcast. It's the number one fan, Dave, producer Joe. And today we got one of the best independent wrestlers in the game, Mr. John Silver. John, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? Great, great, great. So, basic question to start off with, John. What are your earliest memories of wrestling, and how did you break in, and how did this all start? Early memories of wrestling. I'm 28 right now, so I got, like, Attitude Era... And, like, right before the end there, it was, like, my main, those are my main memories. So, like, earliest stuff I remember was, like, Shawn Michaels was on top. I think, like, my biggest memory of, like, childhood memory was the Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels feud. That's, like, the peak of my childhood was then. Yeah, actually, I went to see uh, WrestleMania 14 in Boston. It was Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. It was good stuff. Oh, uh, shit. Awesome. I had a kid, so where I was in, I don't know first, second, third grade around there. There was a kid that, he was a wrestling fan, and you'd think, like, we'd get along with wrestling fans, but I fucking hated him, <laughs> because he was a big Shawn Michaels fan, and I was a big Stone Cold fan. So, I was like, you know, so we had this big feud, we hated each other, but eventually, like, became, like, best friends, because we're like, yo, we both like wrestling, let's just be friends then. <laughs> so, so uh, that's some of my earliest memories right there. Obviously, after that, too, as you never but I was always like a big Stone Cold uh, guy growing up, Undertaker. Uh, but eventually, like, moving forward, I always had different people. I would start to, like, Jeff Hardy, down the line. Then it became, like, Kurt Angle, Jericho. My early, early memories was definitely, like, that early, like, before the Adventure like, started, but, like, right there. I was going to um, laugh if you told me that kid was Alex Reynolds. <laughs> no, no. Alex, <laughs> Alex is a little older than me. He's a few years older than me. I met Alex when we both joined the wrestling school right around the same time. I think he started like maybe like two weeks before me. That's how I met Alex. Awesome. What school did you go to? How did you get brained? How did that break in? I started at MYWC in Long Island and I came across it because I was on a MySpace wrestling fan page really a forum basically and a sports team at the time so I'm like yeah let's just see if there's any wrestling school in the area so I, I put out like a post and hey does anyone know any good wrestling schools in Long Island and someone's like yeah there's a hundred BC it's in uh, Deer Park Long Island and the head trainer is Mikey Whipwreck huh. so I'm like oh shit let me check that out so I mean we, we hit them up we called them and they're like yeah we usually train people we start usually around like 16 but like you can come down and check out the school so I took, check, uh, went down and checked out the school and it just so happened that they were doing like show the top rope that day. <laughs> so they had to crash bed up, do a backflip, machine start, stuff like that. So I was like, oh, damn, this looks awesome. So I was there with my mom, and I was always an athlete, so, and I was just, at the time, was like, how much your wrestling season so I was in shape. And they were like, yeah, you're, you know, since you're like an athlete, you're a wrestler, uh, we'll just start training now if you want. So we got signed up that way. 
Oh, what other sports did you do? Uh, amateur wrestling, I played soccer also. Those are the main ones I played, like, like a uh, national team. Yeah. But, like, I grew up on my block. I just happened to have, like, maybe, like, eight kids around the same age. So, like, we, like, played football, like, every sport, like, every day. Like, we just were always, every day we're outside playing some kind of sport. So, I was, yeah. like, just always athletic, always active, always doing stuff. But soccer... Soccer and wrestling are my two sports growing up. I mean, those are both great conditioning stuff, too. So. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely helps. So, when you broke in, like, who were some of the people who really took care of you in the beginning? So, I guess, like, the people that were in charge of doing stuff, Mikey, obviously, was a trainer who, at least, like, I wasn't, as a kid, I wasn't a big piece of defense because I didn't know much about it. I didn't know what it was on. I didn't know how to watch it. That's why, like, I know it sounds weird, but that's when the internet was, like, everyone just goes on the internet for everything right now. Right. Like, back then, kind of like, you knew the internet, you knew the internet, but, like, on my website, like, I, I don't even understand this. I was young, too. I wouldn't think you would say that, but I wouldn't, like, I knew people, but, like, it wasn't always on the internet, like, you have, like, YouTube videos, like, YouTube was young until then, so it wasn't like you just find everything as easy as it was now. So, like, I watched stuff on my though, and I was, like, terrified of him, and he was, like, pretty, pretty intimidating, even though he's, like, he's actually, he's very nice, but the, she's also he's very intimidating. So yeah, actually, Barrel's question was. What's the question again? Uh, who's some of the guys who took care of you? <laughs> That's all. Oh, okay. So, so I had um, I think right off the bat we probably uh, Trent from W. He was there. He was there for maybe like eight months or a year until he got he was uh, signed by WWE for a while. So he was there. He was always like super nice to me. I had my first practice match against him, and just like I didn't, you know. We was in pride, you know, he messed around, he, like, had to do, like, a code red, some other stuff, and I was, like, you know, 14, 15 years old, so he was always really good to me. Early on, I don't know who, maybe early on, I think to, a lot of people were nice to me. I think some, some people, like, were, like, when I, like, I was, like, the 10 dummy back then, so I joined, I was 110 pounds, so people tried their moves on me, so show me who, like, really looked out for me and who just, like, tried moves on me. But down the line, like, people like Dan Barry, you know, looked out for me. Look, a lot of people were really nice to me there. Some people, like, stopped wrestling or did other stuff. But I'm trying to think of people that are still, like, around and available. Trent was definitely the first one. I like the older guy, so I was like, oh, shit, he's, like, he's being super nice to me. I was like, he's the biggest uh, little brother. He used to say I look just like his little brother. He was the main one, I think, that. It's kind of funny because, like, you talk to, like, some of, like, a lot of the old-timers in the business, and you hear how rough it was. And not that it's not rough or tough now, but it seems like there's a lot more people willing to help now. Like, everybody's a lot more thankful and grateful to have people around and help them in the business. It's definitely not as crazy. Even, if, like, even wrestling now, from when I started, from back in the day, is, like, a completely different place. Even from, like, now to when I started, was completely different. Yeah. Like, uh... When I started, it was still like we had classes where we got our ass kicked constantly. Now you really can't, you, you can't do that. And it's probably better that you don't do that in an extent. I mean, you're still gonna like, you should be like, the reason I beat your ass to that so that you, you know, the people that were tough enough and deserve to be in the ring right. can do it. And I guess it makes sense because you got a lot of people that really don't deserve to be in the ring that are still doing this. But you can't really just beat people up. I don't know, it's a whole different like, the business just changed completely, which is, is fine. I'm not, you know, I'm right. not knocking that at all. No, I hear you. And it's a different time in life, too, now, too, than it's been in the last 10 years, too. So Different times, you know? I was going to ask you, I did my homework, actually. We were talking about YouTube. I was 
looking up some matches of you uh, before we did this, and I've seen you live at a few Beyond shows too. What are some other promotions you've worked for? Yeah, I'm like, I've done like a whole bunch, obviously, but like on a consistent level. I mean, I started at my DC, so that was like my first place. I was ever at, that's in Long Island. I had done uh, Chikara for a while. I was at, um, I still am at CDW. Beyond Wrestling, Limitless Wrestling, for a little while we were at PWG, Evolve, AIW for a little while as well. Definitely was around and like, I kind of got to do a whole bunch of cool stuff. When I was younger, I used to only just do MWC. I just didn't know any better, I guess, to like move on and not move on, but like to branch out. Yeah. And also, when I was young, like when I was like when I started, I was like 14, 15, 16. Like YouTube was still pretty young, and like when I looked up like indie wrestling, I didn't really know too much about indie wrestling. I would see videos of like CGW and like ROH and people doing like some insane shit. Like you know, CGW is super bloody and violent, and ROH like you see like people with like, you know, C-plexes on their head, you know, crazy shit. So I was like, damn, I don't want to do this. And I was a young kid, so I'm like, these guys are gonna kick my ass. <laughs> I started going to these companies, so I was like, I didn't want to, so uh, I think I started branching out when I was like 18, maybe a little past like 18, 19, and I started to kind of branch out a little bit. But I got lucky around like 20, around, I think it was 20 when I started doing Jakara. It was like a like a tryout type thing, and me and Alex, they had like, it was really weird, they had, it was a tryout with all like, the wrestlers, but all the guys that were watching, which all the Jakara wrestlers and the people running it, like still had like their, their mats on and stuff. Huh. So it was like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. But everyone else, I think they did it because I think some of the people that were chosen for the tryout were like, couldn't even be fans. They were so trash. Like, they were the, like, like, did not know the basics of wrestling. They were so bad. So me and Alex obviously stood out way better than everyone else. So we got used for Chikara and we had to go down to train with them for a little bit. So that was cool too. Uh, the beginning, yeah, I started branching out with a Evolve. And then I started to Evolve around the same time. So Evolve and Chikara, which is pretty cool. Hey John, it's Joe here. Being from Connecticut, I just started getting into indie wrestling again a few years ago, and one of the first places my buddy brought me was Beyond Wrestling. And your style really stood out, because you're hard-hitting, but you also have a sense of humor in the ring. I was wondering what you could tell us about Beyond Wrestling, and what was that American Rana that was held at Foxwoods this year like? I guess it started out just being a place, and I remember hearing about it when I was, like, young. It was just a place that they had just taping, so they just put it all on the YouTube, I believe. And it was just people, like, wrestlers wrestling in front of other wrestlers, and they just put that on the internet. And I was like, I didn't understand it, because I had, like, at one point I did a show, actually with John Gresham, and he was, like, pitching, you know, you should go to Beyond Wrestling. I think we like so we should tag together because you know we're both short, you know, muscular guys with buzz heads, <laughs> and like, so he's like, we look kind of like so let's, we should you know we should team together. And I just didn't understand it. I'm like I don't know. This sounds dumb. I don't know. I don't think that's stupid. And then fast forward, eventually they started doing live shows and other stuff like that, and it just looked like a like awesome place to wrestle. And uh, you get a lot of freedom there. You get you know you kind of do what you want. And the crowds there are always like a lot of fun. So it's just like a place where all different types of wrestling is welcome. Like a lot of places have like their niche vibe, I guess. They kind of, I don't even know if they have a niche vibe. They have, you know, people like Nick Gage there that are doing like crazy matches. They have, you know, great, fantastic technical wrestlers there. They have, you know, funny guys because you comedy like, you know, Orange Cassidy. But they just kind of have like a whole bunch of stuff and they put a lot of like dream matches together. And right now what they're doing is cold uncharted territory. So they run a weekly show just like, you know, 
you know, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and it's on every Thursday. I'll be there tomorrow. I'm wrestling Daniel Garcia tomorrow, and it's on independent TV. I don't know the exact website. Independent wrestling TV, actually, and I will definitely be watching. I watch most every Thursday. Awesome. Those shows are awesome. They're a lot of fun, and there's always, like, different shit, new wrestlers to watch. So I always recommend it because even, like, some people I've never heard of or don't know much about, and they'll show up, and I'm like, damn, like, because they have to be people on all the time. Hmm. And sometimes they put on some, like, awesome matches, or sometimes they, beyond will just put together matches that you never would be anywhere else, and they, you know, they're pretty cool to that discovery gauntlet i thought was an interesting idea and it's really gotten us familiar with some names that we wouldn't have previously heard about yeah definitely brings in new people something like i said some of the people i've never really like i've heard of or seen pictures of i've never seen them work and i'm like oh, okay they're actually pretty good so it's pretty cool to see new people like that but uh uh the american lot of the thoughts is pretty cool this place is pretty pretty huge uh a lot of fans there so it was awesome that had a really good storyline going in and that's why i like that beyond has their tv show because you can line up stories to a big show like that like you versus alex reynolds i it's one of the matches i was more invested in so i was looking forward to it at the show yeah definitely it's, i know it's like with, with indie wrestling it's hard to sometimes have a storyline where have uh you know feuds like look good because if you wrestle you see a show once a month you know it's hard to really know what's going on again like at least on like a tried territory there's shows every week and even if there's like like i'm not there every single week but even if i miss a week i'll be there you know in two weeks so you still everything's still pretty fresh in your head know what's going on you know what's funny I, I saw that match with you and uh reynolds too and i was thinking like Reynolds is a great heel, but I really liked your heel work too, but I've seen you do both. You've been a baby face and a heel. Do you have a preference to what you like to do? Yeah, it's funny because Alex is a good heel, is a, is a really good heel, and I'm a really good baby face. But we came together, so there's times I'm going to be a heel, and there's times I'm a baby. I prefer to work as a baby. I think yeah. it's a natural baby face. I don't mind doing either. I'm definitely more of a natural baby face. You know, it's funny, I, I would agree, but I, I want to tell you, I saw some match with you, and I, I'm blanking out, it was a live show, it was an inter-ginger match, and you did this uh, cheap shot clothesline, and you celebrated like you won the gold medal in the Olympics, and I thought that was the best thing, man. It was a great heel move, honestly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, your intergender matches and beyond have been amazing. That's where I think I've seen some of the better heel work. Now, we interviewed Jay Freddy last week, and your name came up as someone he likes traveling with. What can you tell us about working with him in the Thick Boys tag team up in Limitless, and what can you say about Jay Freddy in general? I love Jay. We get along very well, obviously, with Big Party Boys. And eventually, you know, I do, I do Limitless, and Randy came up to me, actually he messaged me, and she, she's like, hey, I think about you know, putting you and Jay together, what do you think? I'm like, perfect. So I hit up Jay, I'm like, hey Jay, we're going to be the Thick Boys. He's like, absolutely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we don't do a lot of, I guess, traveling together, because he's an upstate guy, and I'm from Long Island, and it's actually, I know it's like the same state, but he's like pretty far away from me. Every, every year we go to Ocean City now, uh, Ocean City, Maryland, to party, and that's, you know, we get pretty crazy, get pretty drunk. Pretty crazy stuff happens. 
And it's like, it's like you guys fit together real good as a tag team. You really hit hard and just the teamwork. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why it was funny for a while. I was tagging with both Alex and Ed and Jay on different shows. I think, like, personality-wise, like in-ring personality-wise, me and Jay fit very good together. They're very similar. But I think me and Alex, maybe because of, uh, we've known each other for so long, and, you know, we just take, I think, our best stuff as like, in-ring matches as we take me and Alex. So we had that, uh, that chemistry that way. I love Jay. I love tagging with Jay. I love tagging with Alex. But it's cool. It's two different things. So it was like, it has to be creative with both, which is pretty cool. It was really cool to see you pop up on AEW a couple weeks ago. How did that come about? Yeah, he got hit up by Young Buck, and I said, hey, you know, we want to bring you in for AEW. So I like, awesome. Well, <laughs> we're definitely in. So it, it's really cool there. I actually have it on the TV as I'm talking to you guys right now. It's a really fun place to play the show. It's very relaxed. Everyone's still there to work really hard, which is awesome. And we'll definitely be back. Awesome. Good thing. Nice. Yeah, it was definitely good to see you guys on there. What are your plans kind of going forward in the business? Do you have any immediate goals coming up? Immediate goals coming up. So I think my goal right now is just to be there full time, be at AEW full time, and that's the main one. Once we once we accomplish that, then we'll make new goals. But me and Alex, we talked about some stuff in our future. Cause we've had we've had companies talk to us and hit us up, and I think we kind of both agreed that AEW might be the place to be. It's awesome, man. Is there anything that you want to promote and tell people where they can find you? Main things I want to promote, I guess, would be Uncharted Territory, Beyond Wrestling, IndependentTV.com. Is that what it was again? Yeah. Independent Wrestling TV. Oh, sorry. There you go. Go to the website, sign up, use promo code Beyond, I believe it is, I hope. Yeah. Uh, I think you get like a week or month or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm really bad at promoting this. Yeah, you're a good yeah. follow, man. I, I follow you, and you do some stuff on Instagram. I sing. I saw you singing some opera music one day in the car. It's good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, I do some car singing sometimes. I post some memes. I'll, uh, I like to do posts for dumb pictures sometimes. Yeah, I'll post some random stuff, but check me out there. Yeah, good luck to you in AEW, and we'll look forward to seeing you both in AEW and beyond. Have a good night, bud. Yeah. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. All right, awesome. Have a good night, John. Thank you. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 